Today is Sunday, January 1st, 2017. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is a good player, I mean, but if, if we're counting on uh, Isaiah Thomas to be, you know, uh, one of the big three to lead the Celtics to a championship, uh, you know, I, I feel like we're, we're sorely mistaken. Uh, I, you know, to me, Isaiah Thomas is a role player on a good team in, in terms of being a quality, you know, a, a top five player on, on a championship team. Isaiah Thomas just isn't it. I mean, there's a reason why he's had three teams in the last year, you know? And so I'm just trying to temper expectations about Isaiah Thomas. It's episode number 190 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being brought to you by Audible. Go to audible.com slash try now for a free audiobook alongside a 30-day trial period. You know, that probably isn't the best way to highlight the featured guests on today's show, but you kind of give me a hard time to create this illusion of this ultimate fountain of knowledge, Kyle. Larry, let's be honest. I don't think anybody thought Isaiah Thomas would be this good. As a matter of fact, I had Austin Ainge on our Celtics Talk podcast this past week, and he even, even he admitted they had no idea that Isaiah Thomas would be an all-star, would be a guy that scored 52 points, would be a guy that would be a franchise player when they made a trade. And so even the smartest basketball minds didn't see this coming from Isaiah Thomas. There was a reason why he was the 60th overall pick. A lot of people got this one wrong. You you were coming on the white horse there on social media, on Twitter. You were saying, my God, Celtics fans are acting like they just got LeBron James, role player on a good team. There's a reason. Why. You could say, okay, yeah, nobody saw this coming. That's fair. But Larry, Larry, I still stand by when it's time to win the championship. Will Isaiah Thomas be your best player? I don't know if he will be. Uh, you can't take away from what he's say, doing, though. You could safely say top five player on a championship team safely say one of the best players uh but you know, i could egg on you this all day you're wrong you're wrong we got you there uh, hey I everybody was makes mistakes I was larry some, i was some Every, you made a mistake about rajan rondo you said he'd be no, out of the league in a couple of I, years i got i got i got a little i got about 14 months left on that prediction he's about to burn his <laughs> bridges with the chicago bulls so call me out on march 1st 2018 i we said both of those comments were on episode number 94 of Celtics Beat, March 1st of 2015. So I got uh, 14 months left. <laughs> we actually – that game, too, back on Friday night sort of threw things off of the, of the whole point of the show. And, of course, it being New Year's. Happy New Year's, by the way. Uh, oh, like, finally. I saw a pleasantry from you. Thanks. <laughs> well, I, I'm actually, you sound good, too. I usually can sound okay. I've been up for hours. I'm usually up before everyone else – by times everyone's going to bed. But – Go ahead, just I do want to talk just a little bit about that game on Friday because I didn't think that we were going to be doing so too much. I thought we would be doing a little New Year's special edition show, which we are certainly going to do. Uh, you're a Philly guy, and I, I should have a little fun with this. I personally now think that this season Isaiah Thomas is having uh, is something that I don't want to say we'll, we'll be talking about uh, for the ages. I say hardcore basketball fans certainly will. But I brought this up with Bob Ryan on Celtics News Feed. We were talking, comparing Isaiah Thomas's season this year to, and this, I know you would know about this being a Philadelphia guy yourself, spending a lot of years down in Philadelphia, comparing this to Allen Iverson's 2001 mm -hmm. campaign, 
I think it's a superior season of that, and that is actually one of the that's the hallmark season of a player who's one of the top fifty best players in NBA history. I wouldn't say that, but he may very well uh, go down when they when they redo that list in a few years. Uh, how about that? Something like that. Can you put this season in the same stratosphere as Iverson's 2001 MVP season for Philadelphia that year, which I know you have a very good recollection of? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to go that far, obviously, because uh, Allen Iverson, one of my favorite players of all times. But, you know, the, what, what was so special about that Iverson season is, it, you know, it, it was a perfect storm for the Sixers. Uh, Iverson was playing at an all-time level. Uh he didn't have any other real offensive options. Isaiah has By other design. offensive options. What did you say? By design. Remember, he... By design, yeah. yeah. He Isaiah has him. other offensive options, and he's still able to have a great season. That's why I'm impressed about, you know, Iverson, uh, you know, it was give him the ball and get get out of the way, and, and Allen, go score 50. Uh, with Isaiah, he's still doing it in the flow of the offense. On Friday, Al Horford still uh, scored 19 points. Obviously, no Avery Bradley, but... What Isaiah did in the, in the fourth quarter, 29 points, I mean, Will Chamberlain's 100-point game, he scored 31. Isaiah was two off of that. So anytime you uh, are in the same category as Will, Larry Bird, the all-time greats, uh, it's very special. Uh, but what Isaiah needs to do is what Allen needed to do, carry his team to the NBA Finals. I don't know if that's Allen Iverson happen. didn't have LeBron James in his way. Allen Iverson didn't have Ah, that's, that's semantics, Larry. You play who's out there. Uh, Isaiah definitely needs to get this team past circumstance too. Okay, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get to that because that's part of the year interview. But I do like the point that you said that Isaiah can do this in the flow of the offense. One of the things that really impressed me from Friday night and this season thus far is how Isaiah is having success on the ball and off the ball. Allen Iverson never really could be as effective offensively as he was off the ball. Isaiah's having tremendous success there. And then just a, a real quick point for, I'm actually giving Isaiah New a nickname. You guys are so over there at Comcast, are so desperate of, in terms of finding Isaiah Thomas a nickname. I like the nickname you gave, role player on a good team. That's a very, so uh, Isaiah, the role <laughs> player on a good team, R- RPG, a little video game. The, the role player on a good team can uh, have success on and off the ball. You saw him making shots when Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier were running the point, and, you know, he was just on fire. But he, they've done so pretty much uh, all season offensively, can do it in the flow of the offense. Real quick final point on this whole Iverson-Isaiah Thomas thing. It's not as far-fetched as people want to believe the efficiency numbers. Uh, Thomas has him beat shooting-wise almost across the board. Uh, but Kyle, and this is – we're speaking, by the way, I never really formally introduced you. This is Kyle Draper, as we people do know, hopes the Celtics pre- and post-game live on Comcast Sportsnet. I actually kind of pity you, too, for uh, being in the studio back on Friday night because the crowd that was there for a Friday night against uh, one of the absolute dregs of the NBA was was through the roof. Uh, that was a, the great crowd. But uh, got you here. It is New Year's Day after all, first thing in the morning to the many of those listening. And we sort of do this every single year, but there was a little alteration in the storyline, is we sort of look back on the last calendar year, 2016, now being in the books. And rather than doing it for a full season, we actually get a look at the calendar year. So this is a complete and total transition uh, as we get off Isaiah Thomas, even though we certainly will get back on Isaiah Thomas. There's no question about it. And I, and we were talking about this a little off the air when we got on, Kyle, and just sort of having fun with this. I ranked the top three stories of, of 2016, and I may as well start off with myself since it's my show and I run things here, and I, I'm sure you know that. I put the biggest story, and I, I'm not sure you, you agree with me on this, but I thought the biggest story of 2016 was 
the win at Golden State. Something tells me that you're not going there. Well, you got to realize, Larry, I, I was in the building for that game. I, I was out there Oops, at Oracle sorry. Arena. And, and so I, I know firsthand how great of a win that was. And, and, and you sent me your list, and you pretty much uh, touched on all the big stories uh, of the year for the Celtics. I, I'll have to go July 4th weekend, though. I, I just think, you know, it was something we haven't seen before from the Celtics, just the, the, the pursuit of uh, Kevin Durant, Tom Brady involved. Uh, to me, that will be memorable. But, no, you're right. I, I'm not going to bash you for having the Golden State win number one. That was a tremendous game. Uh, the Warriors, uh, you know, so great at home uh, last season. And for the Celtics, uh, shorthanded, mind you, no Jay Crowder in that game. To go into uh, Oracle and get that win, uh, that, that was fantastic. And so I'm not going to bash you for that. That's no doubt one of the top stories for the Celtics. I, I see. I knew it's it's one A one B. The win at Golden State and then July Fourth weekend. I just felt that the win at Golden State served as the precursor for July Fourth weekend. Here's really the question you can ask: If the Celtics don't win that game at Golden State, then of course they fizzled out in the playoffs as they did. People, that was the Golden State game was the climax of the season. It was pretty much slowly downhill from there. They didn't really play well to finish the year, and they had a somewhat lackluster first round of the playoffs, particularly after the Bradley injury. But here's the question I guess you can ask. Does the team, it's it's kind of crazy to think about in its own right, but I think it holds a lot of water, Kyle, is do you think the Celtics are able to sign Al Horford? Uh, remember, they signed him away from the team that beat said team in the playoffs. Horford's team beat the Celtics in the playoffs. Do the Celtics sign Al Horford and then are as close as they are with Durant if they don't pick up that Golden State win last year, I thought that was way more than just one win. No, it was it was a huge win, but you you also got to remember Isaiah Thomas was campaigning Al Horford uh, at the All Star break, uh, at the All Star game to come to Boston. I don't know how far back you know it really entered Al's mind. I don't know after the win at Golden State, Al said, "Yes, I definitely want to go to Boston." But no, it was a big win. I, I think it was a big win league wide, nationwide. Uh, got the Celtics uh, a sort of some legitimacy uh, in, in terms of, you know, being a great team or being a good team. And, and I'll tell you what else it did. Uh, and this is one of my top stories uh, for this past year. It, it really stratosphered Avery Bradley just from being, all right, he's a good defender to being a first team all defense. If you remember during that trip, he not only, you know, did pretty well against Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, also Damian Lillard. Uh, in Portland, too. And so I, I think that road trip was was huge for uh, Avery Bradley, including that game against Golden State. Yeah, who was it who tweeted out? Because I believe the Portland game was, was a dual local and nationally televised game. It's, there were a few players who were tweeting out uh, as said players were watching the games of, of how good Avery Bradley's defense and you did a good job uh, rejogging my memory there as well because you, you are right Avery Bradley now of course Celtics fans have, and, and the local media have known about his defense really going all the way back to 2012 and he's had plenty of games where he's checked up Steph Curry even earlier in the season while Steph Curry hit some big shots in that game in the what was it December 15th 2015 the double mm -hmm. overtime game and there was a game also, I want to say, about three years ago now. Steph Curry had his, his – the Steph Curry quintessential breakout game was when he went off for 50 points in Madison Square Garden in 2013. I want to say not the next night, but I think like two nights later, the Warriors' next game was in Boston and Bradley shut down Curry. And that was really sort of the game that got Bradley on the national landscape, even going back to the 2012 playoffs. But, but you're completely right in that that win really highlighted – 
Bradley's made it really just a universally known to not just national pundits because they've always known, but really even just casual observers of NBA basketball about Avery Bradley's defense. And I guess that sort of leads me into the final, the, the I, we're ranking the top three stories for 2016. And I, I put number three, I, I, I someone was going to come at me when I, threw this out to some of our listeners. They said, well, what about the draft? And, and I just, I didn't think the draft was, was because, because of where the Celtics fell, the whole Jalen Brown selection, you can say, oh, well, the, the rumors, I, I personally am not one that thinks rumors that don't get that far along and, and don't have it enough underlying of the surface there as I thought that the whole draft stuff did. So I, that's why I had the draft. I left that on the outs. But this sort of now goes into, leads right into what I thought was my sort of number three story was, and this is really broad in general, but I thought individual and team growth. You have individual growth and individual improvement. Avery Bradley, I think, is the prime example. No one's improved really more so than him since he came to the league. And you mentioned having Austin Ainge on your, on your show. We beat you to the punch. We had Austin Ainge back here on Christmas Day on this show. And, and we, you know, Bradley was uh, specifically mentioned as, as a player. How do you think about that? I think I guess go on forever about individual and team growth, but is that pretty much a predominant storyline for 2016? Because I thought that was such a positive underlying and outbreak from these last 365 years. Yeah, I mean, you years, go from, days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you go from 40 wins the season before starting off slow last season, and then bam, after the All Star break, uh, or you know, after the New Year really take off. Uh, February was a good month. For the Celtics. And, and, and so, yeah, when you talk about team of personal growth, you went from, all right, just happy to be there in the playoffs to, you know, a, a top four team in the postseason. And, uh, you know, I think obviously the playoffs were sort of a flame out for the Celtics. I think a lot of fans were disappointed, but it showed you growth like the team was moving in the right direction. And when you talk about individual growth, obviously Isaiah Thomas. Uh, becoming an all-star, no doubt. Uh, becoming a leader of this team, but also, like I said, Avery Bradley uh, morphing, you know, this season into, you know, a bona fide, you know, 17-point-per-game scorer to go along with this defense. And so I, I think, you know, when you talk about growth, uh, you, you can touch on a couple of people, especially specifically Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas. All around with Avery Bradley rebounding. We talked about that with Austin last week. I mean, what were they? Where would they be without his rebounding? They got smothered on the glass uh, against Miami back on Friday night without him out there. They've been getting killed in the glass against a lot of teams. Isaiah Thomas, obviously. I mean, that's that's no question about it. That's the big one. Uh, everybody said no one saw this really from Isaiah Thomas. I was a little more excited than you were back in 2015 when they did acquire Isaiah Thomas. I thought he was a very good player and could become a very good player. But even I thought. When because let's go back, uh, not 365 days. Call it about what 390 days. I think mm -hmm. there was a question even on my end: is Isaiah is Isaiah Thomas best suited coming off the bench? And then of course team growth. You just talked about you're talking about the growth and expectations in, in the mindset fans had when they quote unquote flamed out the, the words that you used against Atlanta. I say that's a fair assessment. This was a team that went that was the fourth ranked defense in the NBA last year. That's that's growth in its own right. And I thought there was one aspect and your colleague Brian Scalabrini pointed this out to me about three hundred sixty five days ago now on this show, was how bad the team was in the clutch uh offensively. 
around this time last year. They had not won a 10-point game in which the team did not have a 10-point lead in last year until January 10th, 2016 in Washington. This year, I believe there's something like the fifth most effective team on offense in the clay. Now, defense has been a different story. We can get to that a little later if you want. But offensively, the clutch execution has – that is something that has improved tremendously, greatly, if you want to use just uh, No, I adding. agree. And, and, and what you're seeing this year from the Celtics, they're number one in assist-turnover ratio in the fourth quarter. And, and so that shows me they're not beating themselves uh, with, with turnovers, uh, mental mistakes down the stretch. Think about it. They could be even better. Al Horford makes the layup in Houston. That's another big win. And so they, they've had some opportunities uh you know, to even close out even better and, and pick up a couple of more wins. Uh, but you're right. Uh, usually, you know, when you talk about fourth quarter, the Celtics, uh, the best fourth quarter team in the league. You got Isaiah Thomas shooting the most fourth quarter free throws in the league. And I, and I think it starts with IT, uh, just his will to win, his competitive fire. Brad Stevens playing him the majority of the fourth quarter now. I don't understand what took Brad so long uh, to make that switch. I mean, he had Isaiah sitting half the fourth quarter there just a couple of weeks ago. And so I think that switch has also helped the Celtics out. Yeah, that's a little bit of a risk, though. You don't want to be playing him, too. I was wondering that myself when I, w- when I was talking with Austin last week, is, and, and Avery Bradley hasn't been playing, but the amount of minutes that a little guy like Isaiah Thomas does play, he is 5'9", after all, and it is about being healthy uh, at the end of the season. The team was not healthy at the end of the year last year, so there is slight concerns with me there is just how aggressive they are in terms of getting these wins. Uh, before we even get to the, the 2017 outlook, just how this team is playing now, because I do want to get, I don't want to talk about this too much in depth because I got this all in the queue for next week's show, which I'm really looking forward to. Is there anything that bothers you at all about the defense? So at the beginning of the year, when they play, let's, let's go through the storyline. After the Nets game, it was, oh, geez, you know, that was just the fourth quarter rally by the Nets against the Celtics backups. Don't worry about it. First few games of the year, it's, oh, sample size. Don't worry about it. They got a track record. Then it was, oh, injuries. You know, I mean, they, they, they're missing players. And then it became, oh, they're playing a bunch of games here in December. It would, We are now, here we are. We're into the new year. It's January 1st, 2017. How concerned are you? I don't want to, I don't want to call the defense concerning, but I would say there were as much higher expectations for the defense to what it is. Do you have any any quick answers as to why it is? No, uh, it is a concern for me. And it's not a concern whereas they don't have the personnel. or, or it, it, To me, it's an effort thing. Uh, even against Miami, uh, they came out lackluster. I mean, you give up uh, 114 points to the second-worst offensive team in the league. To me, that's concerning. Obviously, no Avery Bradley, but we've seen the Celtics – play great defense in spurts. Uh, we need to see it for a full 48 minutes, or at least give me 46. You know, I, I understand, you know, maybe a player or two here, you're not dialed in, but I, I just feel like at times the Celtics go through the motions. And I talked to Avery Bradley about this uh, last week. Uh, he says, you know, they got to remind each other that they're not the type of team that they can just show up and win. Like they, they have to be dialed in and, and bring energy right from the opening tip. And that's something they didn't do Friday. And so, that's a concern to me. Uh, if it wasn't for Isaiah Thomas and 52 points, and think about it, they needed pretty much all 52 of those points, they would have lost to the Miami Heat without Goran Dragic. And so uh, that that is a little concerning to me. Uh, with that being said, the Celtics get, did get the win, third in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're right where I thought they would be behind Cleveland and Toronto. And so uh, 
you know, they are where we expected them to be, but uh, they could be doing a little bit better. And, and come playoff time, Isaiah's not going to get you 52, uh, Larry. I, I know you want to make him the MVP of this year, uh, but, you know, when it comes playoff time, LeBron James, Kyle Lowry, those guys, DeMar, those guys raise their game to a whole different level. And so uh, they need other people to step up, and, and their defense has still has to be their calling card. I, I don't care what anybody says. You mentioned it's, it's when you look at this, because you talk about them being third in the conference and behind Cleveland and Toronto, I think that's I, – I, I pretty it's a surefire lock that is the way it is going to stay. On paper, you look at it, you say, yeah, hey – Third in the conference, they look like they're lined up to win a playoff series. Uh, just on paper, everything is 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 what it is, and it's, it is pretty good because coming out of January, they have a very easy schedule. And if you want to just even just look at concrete evidence of the defense, my goodness, if they can't bolster those defensive numbers coming up here in January with only four games on the road and a ton of patsies coming up at home, that going all the way to the end of the week here against Philadelphia and New Orleans. I'm just going to be slightly bothered. I'm going to have someone in here next week who's really going to break down the defense for us. I'm not going to lie. I entirely don't know what it is. They were unquestionably a step slow on defense, not just Friday night, Thursday night against Cleveland. Cleveland got, I I know it's Cleveland, but they had so many wide open looks. It was just uh, incredible uh, to me. But like I said, I don't want to just lament about this forever. We're going to see what comes out of this in January. I think the Celtics are going to go on a pretty good roll here, no matter what, just basically predicated on the schedule that they do have. But let's now shift this thing over to 2017 and continue to play our little game here. Uh, I guess I can start it off. We're going to do a dead mortal lock, Kyle. Dead mortal lock. And besides, dead mortal lock isn't, of course, oh, the sun's going to rise tomorrow. Yeah, but something we got to make a little, little bit reasonably Celtics theme. So a Celtics dead mortal lock, a not-so-bold prediction, and then a bold prediction. I want to start this off with you. Give me a bold prediction for the Celtics for the calendar year of 2017, that means you can do something in this coming season. That means uh, this coming summer or even, God forbid, uh, the first uh, third of, of next season. Bold prediction, the Celtics trade for DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, Jesus. I uh, know. <laughs> I'm not saying I want them to do that. Uh, I, I just think, you know, if, if you're going to go out on a limb, why, why not say that? Uh, there, there's obviously uh, been a lot of chatter uh, about DeMarcus Cousins in Boston. I like him as a player. I don't like, you know, all the other stuff he brings. I don't know if it would be good for the organization. But uh, if you're going to be bold, and, and we know Danny Ainge is bold, uh, I, I say the Celtics make a trade for uh, DeMarcus Cousins. I'm so proud that said chatter does not occur on this podcast. Uh, the five years I've been doing this show, DeMarcus Cousins' names, I want to say, has been mentioned about six or seven times. Yet on everybody else's show, like <laughs> CSN, it seems like DeMarcus Cousins' name is mentioned about six times in one segment. I just... I'm gonna. I want to squelch that. There's never been serious trade conversations between either of those teams. Can it happen? Yeah, but when you consider how much Sacramento likes Demarcus Cousins, it doesn't make any sense logistically because it's going to take so much to acquire him. Danny Ainge has always been a guy that has gotten players. Uh, capitalizing on their value. For example, Kevin Garnett, that was the big move of this organization. The the 15 years Danny Ainge has been in charge. Kevin Garnett was effectively on the trade market. DeMarcus Cousins has never really been on the trade market. So if you're going to get DeMarcus Cousins, you've got to blow 
Vivek, whatever the dude's last name is, Randy Eve, Randy, but the Kings guy, we'll just call him the Kings guy. You've got to blow him away. Danny Ainge is not a guy that wants to blow someone away. It, it doesn't make sense almost money ball wise for him to do that. He capitalizes on his assets. I'm with you, and I think the bold, the big, my bold prediction is going to be a transaction on its own right. Now, it's going to take a few things to fall the Celtics' way, of course, CBA-wise. We still don't even know where the Celtics entirely stand next year. There's a lot of things money-wise, but you know what? I'm just going to put this one out there. I think the Celtics signed Gordon Hayward this summer. All right, that's not bold, man. Uh, okay, uh, oh, wow, wow. That. oh, I'll take that's not bold. All that's right, not I'll bold. take that. That's that's been the chatter, right? Uh, you know, All when right, it comes good. to free agency, that that you know, the the, the 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 chatter is that's the Celtics' number one target in free agency, and so it's... man, at least mine is. Uh, you know, when you make a bold prediction, it has to be something that really probably is not going to happen. But if it did, it would shock the world. That wouldn't shock anybody. Yeah, I would still say it has a less than 10% chance of occurring, just basically just based on math and chance odds alone. Yeah, you're you're telling me you know, greater than 10%? I, mean, I think you get a lot of people excited if Gordon Hayward of Boston in July of 2017 has a greater than 10% chance of happening. No, it would, it would be exciting. No doubt about that. But there's, you know, there's already talk of that, you know, and that, that seems more realistic than actually trading for DeMarcus Cousins for the reasons you mentioned. Uh, the Kings still love DeMarcus. It would have to be a major flame out in Sacramento, a, a major blow up where DeMarcus says, get me out of here. But the Gordon Hayward thing, all right, I can see that happening. Good, good. I like that. <laughs> That's the point. Uh, not so bold prediction. I may as well go with this one here. So I, I we, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. It's funny, we, we have tremendously high expectations now for the Celtics. We have any minimal complaints as they are. I think as it is, it looks like they're pretty much on the path to about getting 50 wins. Now I know they're like 20 and 14 here after that Miami game. Uh, they should really rack up some wins here in January. It would be a disappointing month if they lost anything more than four games in this month coming up. Even as the Celtics, it's, you know, like you talked about some of these games that they've had, like where they've almost won. They've also been a lot of games this year, Kyle, where they won where they probably shouldn't have, and they've, they've stolen some games. Their point differential is not what it was at this time last year. But just you look at the schedule and make that final point is that they are, they're going to come out of this month something around the lines of 30 and 18 or 29 and 19 uh, at worst. So my not-so-bold prediction was I got the Celtics winning a first-round series. I think they're going to beat anybody in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're going to be the three-seed, and they should beat everybody except for Chicago and Detroit, in which I give them a fifty greater than 50-50% chance of winning anyways because they're going to have the home court advantage. No, I, I agree. I, I think they will win a playoff series, and, and to me, that's the next step that this franchise has to take. Uh, losing in the first round just won't cut it. As great as a regular season, Isaiah's having, you know, Avery Bradley, uh, you got to win in the playoffs. And so, for me, that's why I'm not going to judge this team uh, based on the regular season, because uh, you got me excited last year, and then uh, you lose to Atlanta. And so... Uh, Put your money where your mouth is. Show up when the lights are the brightest, and that's the postseason. How much of an impact do you think it'd have if the Celtics had a, I would say, a very disappointing loss in the first round of the playoffs now? What do you think it would, the type of impact it would have uh, on the franchise if they lost in the first round? Oh, if, you're, if they lose in the first round again, you have to start to question the roster makeup. Uh, do you need to make a change? Uh, do you move one of your you know, key pieces like an Isaiah? 
or, or, or Bradley or, or somebody like that. And so uh, with the, if they lost in the first round, there's no way if I'm Danny Ainge, I come back, you know, the following season with pretty much the same group intact. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, this the, the great thing about Brad Stevens and what we've seen from the Celtics is every year they've gotten better. Every year they've improved. Uh, and so the next step is winning a first round playoff series. If they don't improve and, and, and win a first-round play, playoff series, to me, then you're stagnant, and, and I don't think Danny Ainge will accept that. I think, well, I think the big one, Kyle, I think it takes him out of the running of just about every single free free agent. That Not every single free agent, but it takes him out of the running of the top free agents. It would take them out of the running of a Paul Millsap. I, I, I wonder if it would take them out of the running of a Gordon Hayward. Yeah, and, and that might I don't want to speak for them. I'm just making that assumption. No, especially since Utah is a team on the rise, too. Let's not forget that. Uh, there are some other teams on the rise, and, and you're right about that. One of the uh, attractive things of the Celtics is that Al Horford saw this was a team. He liked the way they played, obviously, but also he saw this team trending upward. And uh, if they wind up losing in the first round, they become once again, all right, they're a good regular season team, a bunch of scrappy guys, but they can't get it done when it matters most. Signing a free agent, I think, is everything to the future of this franchise because, like you said, so the Celtics, we had Sam Sheehan here a few weeks ago, and, and he was talking about just really they, where they stood in, in terms of their salary structure. This The Celtics are going to make a big move this summer regardless due to the bird rights uh, situations that they have with so many of their players that they're going to have to almost deliberately try to get over the cap because it just makes all the sense in the world for them to do so. But the best case scenario for the team is to be able to sign an impact free agent this year and then you still have the Nets picks for a trade. See, that's the thing about making a move for DeMarcus Cousins, especially if you were going to do it before the summer this year, is you want to sign a free agent like, let's just use uh, Gordon Hayward or Paul Millsap. You want to sign a free agent, and then you use the remaining draft assets, if you want to, to then go out and add to the, to the team. Duh. That's stating the obvious, and that's, of course, the plan of what they want to do. So that's why... No question about it. I think, and I think it. I didn't. I didn't feel this way even two weeks ago. I'm now really starting to feel this way. Is just the importance of them winning a playoff series, just for that aspect alone. Okay, don't want to quell on this, of course, forever, because I still feel like there's a few things I do want to get to, and this is, I think, the most fun part. Because this is this is going to go back to how we started this show off. I put my dead mortal lock, and this is this is a bold prediction for a dead mortal lock. I think it's a dead. Mortal lock, Isaiah Thomas makes the All-NBA team for 2016-17. You remember, Kyle, the Celtics PR department last year went on this huge push to get Isaiah uh, on the All-NBA team. It was a fun thing to do, but honestly, he he wasn't All-NBA as good as he was. He wasn't All-NBA because the guards in the NBA now are. This is as good of a collection of guards as there's been in the NBA, probably in the history, uh, the 70-plus year history of the league. So my bold prediction is I think he makes the All-NBA third team. The first two teams, of course, locked up. There's nothing you can do about it. Westbrook and Curry, uh, Chris Paul, James Hardy, not going to touch that. Really comes down to Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Damian Lillard, and... Uh, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving and yep. Clay Thompson. So that means there's two, two guys for those five spots. I believe Isaiah gets it. Do you think he does? No, I don't. And see, that that's your problem, Larry. Your your dead mortal lock should have been your bold prediction because it, it probably has less than 10% chance. I mean, there's no way when the team finishes below the uh, – when the Celtics finish below, let's say, Cleveland, Toronto in the standings, 
and you're talking Kyle Lowry's a huge reason why Toronto is what they are. Kyrie Irving's a big reason why Cleveland is what they are. I just think, you know, Kyrie will get it because uh, Cleveland will have, if not the best record, the second best record in the entire uh, NBA. And it's not a knock on Isaiah Thomas. It's just like you said, the guard play right now is just tremendous. And, and there's so many, you know, talented star guards out there. And if the Celtics, you know, finish top two in the East, uh, something like that, maybe. I just don't think uh, well, they finish top two in the East. So that's then it's definitely a lock. But they, yeah, that, they won't you, though. Can't, I can say that can't not have Kyrie Irving. You know, uh, you talk about the big shots he's hit, being the starting point guard at the Cleveland Cat. I mean, Cleveland's going to get two All NBA players on the uh, on the team. Give me your dead mortal lock for 2017. My dead mortal lock for 2000. Besides the sun rising and the Celtics, yeah. another, <laughs> the Celtics may win another game the rest of the year. My it's got to be somewhat bold. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, I, I'm going to say the Celtics' uh, dead mortal lock win a playoff series. I, I think there's no way uh, this team flames out in the first round, even if they they meet Chicago. I think they yeah, understand. Chicago could be a Larry. problem. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I just said Chicago could be a problem. You think they could understand what? I, I think they understand what's at stake, the, the playoffs. I, I think as a team, they understand they'll be judged – what happens in late April, or early May. And uh, I know just inside that locker room, uh, losing to Atlanta still bothers them. I know uh, the, the whole premise for the Celtics is get better every year, and they know they need to take that step. So I'm marking it down. I'm booking it. The Celtics will win a playoff series. Good, because I am as well, very well. All right, let's get you out of here, Kyle. I'm here with Kyle Draper of Comcast Sports, that host of Celtics pre- and post-game live. And a, and a solo, by the way, you've been doing a, a lot, lot more on Comcast. Uh, you have your, your, you know what, let's give you, I'm going to let you take the floor on Comcast. Give me what, exactly what, tell me and tell the audience uh, all of what you are doing on Comcast because you guys have a new show, I believe, on every single Thursday that you're on. I know you're doing a lot. I am not doing you justice by telling you are the host of Celtics pre- and post-game live on Comcast. I agree. You you are. You're shortchanging me here, uh, Larry. Uh, we also have Celtics Post Up with me, Scal, and Amanda Flugrad. That's every Thursday. Sort of a, a fun look at the Celtics in the NBA, not necessarily your magazine-type show. Uh, we dive into you know some topics with the Celtics, obviously, and debate. But we also go around the league and see what's trending out there. And so that's been a fun show. We're still tweaking it. Obviously, but uh, this last episode we just had was a really good one. We uh, went back outside and, and took part in a uh, underhanded free throw shooting contest. I won't tell you who won or anything like that. Check it out. It's online. But uh, we had a lot of fun with that. Also, I'm on uh, Town Fair Tire Sports tonight. It seems like with Felger every other day uh, talking to Celtics. That's why I need the Celtics, Larry, to be relevant, to play well, to win, so I can get more reps, man, and keep my uh, face out there. Oh, don't we all? It's definitely good for business. Feels like no one knows that more than us. Uh, we have to get into work from our sponsors. Isn't that fitting? But uh, we'll be back here on the other side of the break with Kyle Draper, Comcast Sportsnet. Episode 190 with special guest Kyle Draper is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. It's January 1st, the new year, which means a fresh start for your business, and a great year starts with making great hires. As CLNS Radio knows themselves, as we continue our massive expansion in the world of digital media. But posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. 
We here at CLNS Radio recruit the best possible clients using Zip Recruiter. With Zip Recruiter, you can jumpstart your hiring in 2017, post your job to 200 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, Celtics Beat listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. One more time to try for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Back here on Celtic Speed. Okay, before we reconvene with Kyle here, just a few brief announcements. Ticket giveaways, we picked the game and entry. Two tickets, January 30th against the Detroit Pistons. Entry is simple, rate Celtic Speed on iTunes. Boom, that's it, done. Give us a rating, and you enter a contest to win two tickets to see the Celts take on the Pistons. Also, mailbag video will air tomorrow at facebook.com slash Celticspeed. I'll get to those questions this week, I promise. Okay, Kyle, thanks for staying with us there. 2017, New Year's resolution, Celtics themed. Of course, I ran some by you, was thinking of maybe uh, better shot selection for Marcus Smart, but that's improved tremendously in the past month. Uh, now he's playing more point guards, so I don't know, but... Uh, I guess in the spirit of trade talk to make it sexy and fun, Celtics New Year's resolution for 2017 from LHR trade for Andrew Bogut. What say you? No, that's not a bad one. Uh, I think the Celtics could use him. And along the same lines, I was going to say trade for a rebounder, sign a rebounder. And so Bogut would help you uh, in, in both aspects. Uh, that, that's that's the one thing, you know, I think they're lacking. You know, they got strong guard play, especially with Marcus Smart uh, finally being reined in and, and playing under control and not just jacking up threes. Uh, I would like to see it more from Al Horford. We haven't touched on that really, but I, I think a New Year's resolution, Al Horford to be more consistent uh, for this team. Rebounding's been declined. Oh, oh, I got to get you on that one. So we have um, on my pregame show here on the Celtics News Feed channel a few days ago, we talked from someone from Cleveland, uh, David Zavak, and, and he said, you got to watch out for this. Tristan Thompson has dominated Al Horford in the 2015 playoffs, the 2016 playoffs, the Celtics nation probably does not know much about that i'm like yeah i, I kind of don't you know i just just figure that cleveland wins because they have lebron and they're just better he said, no, no 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 tristan thompson has dominated al horford watch that for tonight and there's no question about it he really shut he really shut horford down uh thursday night if you want you know what if you want to respond to that we, let's talk a little bit about horford but i'll let you sort of go on with that one no you know uh, i'm a big al horford fan i've always been an al horford fan uh with that being said you know he's averaging a career low in rebounds and they need more from him uh like you said against tristan thompson six points one rebound for supposedly your second best player is not going to get it done and you know i don't just want to look at the box score and say oh he didn't play well but even watching the game outside of the blocks i mean he really had no impact on, on that game. And so I, I want Al Horford to be more consistent. Uh, I, I, w- I was hard on him when Isaiah Thomas was out. I wanted him to uh, elevate his game, step up his game. He didn't. He just gave you his same uh, numbers. Uh, but when you're talking about a four-time All-Star, Larry, a guy you give max money to, uh, you want Al Horford to impact every single game. It may not be scoring 30 points but I need to know Al Horford's out there every single game. And there's been a couple of times where, you know, he's he's morphed into a role player, and I expect more from Al. 
few points here. One, his rebounding has declined every single year since he tore his pectoral muscle uh, the first time he did that. So I, I'm just – now, I don't know if that's just the, the reason why his rebounding has declined. But it has. It's gone down again. I guess you could sort of somewhat chalk it up to it is what it is uh, in regards to that. Uh, going back really to that Cleveland game, yeah, I just, you know what? He has not played well against Tristan Thompson now the last three years. There are some other games, though, where he's getting criticism when he really shouldn't. I've, I've made the observation, and I really haven't dove into the research, in that when he's going up against bigger teams, he is really facilitating a lot more, which I'm a huge fan of, as is anyways. I, I have no complaints. I just think that whenever there are, say, a Detroit, when he got a lot of criticism for only putting up five shots in that game. Uh, Orlando is a game when they won big down Orlando. Now, if you look at the box score, he didn't have a big box score, although he did have eight assists in that game. You just look at when he's going up against bigger players, he doesn't really – you know what? I think it's actually a credit to him. It's not a criticism. He – facilitates a lot more, be it out of the low block, or he's trying to stretch the stretch the offense a little bit as well by being out more so at the three-point line. So I think there are some games where if you do look at the box score, Kyle, you say, oh, geez, I wish, Kyle, uh, I wish Al Horford had more of an impact. He's getting paid $30 million. I think he's having a lot more of an impact that, than you really perceive him to believe. But if you want to just use like a sole example, which I won't do because I think in an NBA season, it's just you, you're not giving someone justice if you're just pinpointing singular games. And the Cleveland game is a singular game you can point at and say, ah, Hal Forford just didn't play well. But really, just to, to sum up everything that I just said, I just think rebounding, I'm chalking up to it. It is what it is. And it also it is what it is in terms of Tristan Thompson. But I think you are being a little unfair to him in regards to maybe just looking at the block score entirely and not thinking that he's having less of an impact on a game because he certainly is. He's just playing to really the competition. No, uh, and you're, you would be wrong, Larry. You don't become a four-time All-Star by uh, just doing things uh, not seen in the box score. Uh, there's a reason why Al Horford's a four-time All-Star. He's not going to get you 30 points. I'm not saying that. But in the biggest game of the season on national TV – uh, All right, look, Tristan Thompson option. owns him. It, it, you know what? He just Tristan Thompson owns him. Can we? We just have to. I don't know if we accept that. I, I, it's just sort of one of those deals. Well, if that's the case, then they might as well not even play come April and May. They have no shot against Cleveland. Uh, they have no shot Al against Cleveland. Supposed to be your best player, Larry. Your second best player. He's your most decorated player. Your most accomplished player. Uh, I, I want him to show up. That's all I'm saying. Me too. All right, Kyle Draper, you did show up today. We're going to get you out of here. This is Kyle Draper. Uh, from CSN. Before we do, give me, is that your New Year's resolution for the Celtics then? Yeah, yeah. To uh, My New Year's resolution is more consistency from Al Horford. And uh, a second one, you know, get a rebounder. Somehow acquire a rebounder for this team. Kyle Draper, CSN. Follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Draper TV. Thanks so much for doing this again, man. And once again, Happy New Year. Same to you, Larry. You are listening to CLNS Radio, home of the New England Patriots postgame show. That fourth quarter, I mean, I told Abby, and I just, it just felt like I was out there by myself. Like I was in the gym working on my game and throwing up everything, and it was just going in. So it was it was a special feeling. That was Isaiah Thomas in the locker room after the game. Raw and uncut audio and video from the locker room. As always, YouTube.com slash CLNS Radio. Subscribe, YouTube.com slash CLNS Radio. Here from Isaiah, Brad, the whole team, the guard report with Jared Weiss. You'll want to do so for that one. I think the best part about that Isaiah outburst was uh, not how needed it was. And as Kyle said, it, it was needed. They needed all 52 to beat a pretty lousy Miami Heat team at home. But 
it got Todd Day out of the record books. And when I heard on Comcast back on Friday night that Todd Day previously had the record for most points in the fourth quarter for a Celtic, I was freaking mortified. He's that that he's the worst Celtic ever. I mean, he he's the anti-Celtic. Um, so anything that removes Todd Day, not just from historical records, but my memory is a major major win because Todd Day is a terrible. Terrible Celtic. Uh, but, boy, that was some show Friday night and an absolute reaffirmation of the season that Isaiah is having in the career. He's had the moment he arrived here in Boston, or actually technically in Los Angeles there on the West Coast, uh, at when the trade the, for the trade deadline a few years ago, ago, and I guess in the spirit of this show, that we're doing that in recapping these last 365 days, that it was not too long ago when – Fans lamented that the Celts didn't have that guy. They, they need a, they need to get a go-to. They need to have a guy that can, they can give the ball to uh, when the defense tightened up at the end of games and everything breaks down offensively. A guy who can get to the free throw, stop the clock. Someone who can get the ball in the clutch. You can't win a title without that guy. Well, they have that guy. He wears number four. The Celtics have a highly effective pressure situation offense, largely something they did not have one year ago, uh, largely due to Isaiah. Al Horford's passing has a little to do with that, Kyle, by the way. Um, you can come back with, yeah, it's defense. Just not today. Uh, not this weekend. Not after 52 with 29 in the fourth quarter. We can talk Isaiah's defense another time, just not this weekend. We're going to talk Celtics defense another time, which we definitely will. I've, I've referenced that now for the third time thus far in this show. Next week, we're getting the answers, I promise. I promise because I want them. Uh, but anyways, I, I do want to offer some final takeaways from, from said performance because it is deserved so. So we got someone here with me right now. And I'm actually going to introduce this gentleman to the audience. So with me here right now on CL LNS Radio is Matt Ignall. Matt is one of the panelists on the Celtics Daily Podcast, which we're going to get to a little bit later. But Matt, I, I know you watched that Friday night. You got any final takeaways on Isaiah's performance? And when you score 29 points in the fourth quarter and are now the leader of the non-Wilt Chamberlain category of points in the fourth quarter, it's pretty special. And you know, he said last night that he, he couldn't even see the rim at times. I, I can't remember the last time a Celtic got that hot. So you know, we're we're just very lucky to get to watch this really special player, and uh, he, I think he certainly deserves an All Star spot right now. And I think the whole country got to witness that night. Matt, give me uh, your sense of where the Celtics are, and it's it's kind of interesting when you talk about that game too. In that in that performance is great game, awesome to watch, but they needed all fifty two points. That's what sort of Kyle says. So. Just give me your sense of where the Celtics are. Maybe where, you know, on paper it looks okay. The third in the conference, 20 and 14. They're on their way to a 50 wins. But something does still seem a little bit off here. Yeah, the defense just has not been good the, the last couple of days and really hasn't been good uh, for the entire season. They're 19th in defense right now. Um, although I think they've been like fifth or sixth since Al Horford came back. Uh, but it's better. But, you know, I, I think too many times you see guys just get into the paint if they're guards and the Celtics gave up way too many threes last night, way too many threes against Cleveland. So, you know, the, the defensive effort needs to be there to play the style that they do on defense. And they've only really been able to show it at times. They haven't really put together a complete 48-minute game 
um, on both ends. And, you know, while we can say, hey, the offense looks great this year, and it seems like 80 to 90% of the time they get open shots. On the defensive end, I, I think they've struggled a little bit. And if they're going to make some noise in the playoffs, it's something that's going to have to come together over uh, the last two-thirds of the season. Yeah, one thing about January is I feel the excuses must end. The, the excuses kind of started the opening night against Brooklyn. They give It was, oh, geez, you know, I mean, well, the, the bench was the one who gave up all those points. And then... And then they were struggling early on. It was, oh, it's a sample size. And then it was, oh, the injuries. And then it was, oh, geez, they're playing a lot of games. It's a back-to-backs, and they're on the road. They got a really good chance to really pad their defensives. Not pad, I guess, really build upon their defensive numbers in January and really to see what's up with the defense. I thought a major issue with the defense uh, from people I've been speaking to is, is Tyler Zeller, and now he's completely out of things. He's not playing whatsoever at all. But uh, January, uh, real quick upon this, because I want to touch on something, not even touch upon, discuss something uh, very important with you coming up, we will do, but got a chance to look at January real briefly here. This is it. This is the absolute golden time for this team. They have four games on the road, uh, and then the games they have at home, I can't see them. I can't see them not being favored in any one of them. I would even say they're going to be favored against Houston. Uh, they should be favored in pretty much every... I'm looking at the schedule real quick. They should be favored in every single game this month outside of maybe at Toronto on the 10th, which I think you can pretty much chalk up as an automatic loss no matter what. But I would be pretty disappointed, and I know it's all about how they, how they play really on the defense, you know, just really how they play, what the outputs are, but... Now let's look at it on paper as well. I would be pretty disappointed with anything more than four losses on that January schedule. The Jazz are tough, right? They've played the Celtics tough recently, and the, their size. Boston. Yep, yep. But uh, you know their their size seems to bother the Celtics. But I think uh, the, the Celtics split against them last year, so yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I think the Celtics should be favored in that game. Sixers easy. Pelicans aren't very good this year. Uh, Raptors. I hope the Celtics put up a little bit of fight. I would think because they they lost a close one last month. So, you know, the Celtics tend to uh, turn around in that second game if, if they've lost the first. So, uh, yeah, I think you got to be pretty uh, optimistic. This is the time the team's healthy. Every, everyone's good moving forward. They're, they're starting to put it a little bit together. They had a, a pretty nice December, all things considered, um, at, at least when they were healthy. So this is the time to get some separation in the Eastern Conference and get rolling and build some momentum as uh, they head towards the playoff push. I mentioned how Tyler Zeller is completely fall, not just out of the rotation, pretty much out of that lineup uh, altogether. I'd be surprised if he logs many more minutes the rest of the season. I don't really even see him on this team past the third week of February. But I, just really referencing Zeller, I think – that uh, Stevens is. This is about the same time last year in which he figured out a rotation for the team. And once they figured out a rotation, and if you actually recall too, right at this time last year, the team was struggling really bad. They lost to the Nets at home. They lost to the Lakers at home. They lost. There was a few other games in there that were really like a Knicks loss. There were a few other really bad losses. But once Stevens kind of took had a rotation, he was finished with this experimentation and ran with it. The team took off. You get the sense that he's doing that now. He's still messing around a little bit with Gerald Green and Jalen Brown, still seeing what he has there. He's kind of slid, he's uh, cut back a little bit on Terry Rozier, although Rozier played a lot more Friday night than he had the previous three or four games combined, and I think he was only averaging a handful of minutes, seven or some minutes uh, or so. But it seems like he's uh, coming through on a rotation, and that once he does, and then, yes, God forbid, this defense gets squared away, which I, I still hold out hope that they do. I, we should probably – one. how about this? We're going to finish this on a little bit of a prediction. It's been a prediction-type show uh, thus far, a little recapping show. Prediction show. They, you mentioned they're 19th in defense as of this Sunday morning here, January 1st. They finish in the top 10 defensively. 
I think if, they do. I think they're healthy. They do. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's assume that they're healthy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think they have the talent to do it. Uh, I don't. I don't think there's any question about that. But uh, Larry, another prediction. Uh, I, I don't think the Celtics will shorten their rotation. I think Brad Stevens likes to give everyone a chance, and no one is really out of the rotation too too long. So you know, certainly minor minutes here and there. Even even Tyler Zeller. Uh, and Terry Rozier and Gerald Green, I'll, I expect that they'll continue to play all the way to the end. I tell you what, it's not so much rotations. You brought up, and I'll correct myself on that one. It's not so much rotations. It's five-man units or, or units that he's really sticking with. I remember, uh, you know, it's funny. I guess Indiana was the, the, was a guinea a guinea pig like team because uh, Indiana, they, James Young has this big game against the Pacers at the beginning of the year. I want to say he scored twelve points, and you think he scored like fourteen points all year. year. Twelve of those came in an Indiana game. You watch that game, you say, "My God, you know here, Celtics may have a little something here in James Young." Yeah, not he's. I don't. I have no idea what's going on with him. He's he's had an illness, and I, I don't even want to get into that. And then. Um, what it's been about two weeks since that Pacers game, the good win there in Indiana. They they used a u- uh, unit where they had Crowder at the four and and Jalen Brown at the three, and he said, "Oh, the, the Celtics may have something here." They dominated the Pacers. They went on like what a, a sixteen and zero run, and I don't think we've seen that unit since. So I guess maybe more so, not so rotation wise. It's still figuring out these five man units. And yeah, I think the Celtics have kind of shied away more recently with the team being healthy from you know playing Marcus Smart. At the small forward, so you know, gotta I think if the, the team's ball. healthy, gotta be on the ball. I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah, absolutely, um, because he's he's quite good there, and he's he's got some nice uh, synergy with uh, the the Celtics role man. So, uh, yeah, Marcus Smart on the ball, threes. He's, he's he's too small probably to play the three. He can be effective there in you know spot minutes against bigger players, but I think the Celtics are uh, better off going with uh, bigger players. But it'll be interesting to see uh, what the Celtics if if they decide to. Uh, continue to keep playing small ball, or they they start they continue to start the game going big, having you know Al Horford and Amir Johnson out there. I it looks like the starting lineup is pretty much set right now with uh, Kelly Olynyk, you know, having a, a well to put it uh, mildly like a, a so-so start to the season. Um, so rotation wise, it, it looks like it's getting a little bit more set, but I think he's still going to tinker around a little bit with uh, some of those reserve units. But definitely keeping Marcus Smart on the ball, I think that's here to stay. All right, do want to transition to a little something here with Matt. Matt, we talked about Celtics Daily podcast. We have an announcement in regards to it coming up. Uh, do use these final few minutes of the show to give a brief synopsis about it to the audience. Yeah, I mean, we started this podcast. It was really just my brother and I. We were already talking to each other on the phone about the Celtics after games or a big trade rumor and the like. And eventually, uh, we just decided to start a podcast based around our conversations. And that was all the way back in June when we uh, started just previewing the NBA draft. But eventually, we decided to reach out to uh, our Boston Celtics Reddit community to find fans and and media members who just wanted to talk Celtics. Um, So we interviewed a few people, found some terrific co-hosts. Uh, we got WBRK Radio's Evan Valenti, the professional poker player and YouTuber Jonathan Levy, Eddie Santiago, who actually uh, works as a staff writer at CLNS. I've heard and of him. Recently, yeah, sure. We love Eddie. <laughs> and recently, uh, the documentarian Zaire, who is our old school reference encyclopedia. So, you know, we kind of have a diverse cast of characters who come from different backgrounds and perspectives, but we all love the Celtics and we really enjoy putting together content for fans, you know, be it, you know, jocular or analytic or, you know, even occasionally combative. Um, And look forward to having guests as well and diving into interesting storylines with them. 
That allows me to transition here to you and back to you, Matt Ignell. I guess well, this is uh, like a, a great reveal. Matt Ignell of CLNS Radio, uh, and to allow me also to welcome the Celtics Daily Podcast, Celtics Roundtable. I guess give the details to the audience of what's to come. Yeah, so you know we we do have a group format. And we we love talking about post games and we love diving into trade rumors and previewing the NBA draft. Uh, so we basically cover everything and we'll be on a, a few times a week, we hope. Uh, right now we're, we're kind of shooting for two to three. But, you know, thanks, Larry. We're, we're, we're thrilled to be here. We're thrilled to be a part of the news feed uh, where, where you can find our content. And we hope to contribute to the already fantastic content that can be found at CLNS. Well, allow me to officially welcome you aboard. Yes, as you mentioned, the Celtics Daily Podcast or the Celtics Roundtable, your roundtable format of rotating panelists. You'll be featuring uh, not just, you know, credentialed people in the media, like uh, our good friend Chris Forsberg, yourself, uh, your panelists that you've been involved with. But yes, reaching out to many of those in social media communities, Reddit as well. They'll be able to participate. It, it's gonna. It sounds like it's gonna be something that's gonna be very interactive in its own right, and not just limited to the roundtable or even just the CLNS radio community. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we want to reach out to you know credentialed media members and even get in some uh, takes from you know opposing teams. Uh, so you know, we we definitely hope to. Uh, cover a wide array of topics and, and have the, the guests to, to match that. Subscribe now. Celtics News Feed on iTunes and Stitcher, all on one channel. Celtics pregame, Celtics Daily News and Notes, which air on 96.3 FM in Maine during halftime of Red Claws games. Recaps after every game, breaking news in real time. And now, Celtics Roundtable with yourself, Matt Ignall, Matt Ignall of CLNS Radio, along with his team of panelists, which you, the listener, can take part in and get on these airwaves. But Matt, thank you for joining us here today on Celtics Beat. And allow me to reiterate our gratitude in joining CLNS Radio. Once again, subscribe to Celtics Newsfeed here, Matt and his team, as well as all the other content on Newsfeed. As Nick Gelso, CLNS Radio founder, said here last week, it's like having an audible newspaper for the Boston Celtics. It allows you to multitask and get all of your Celtics content throughout the day. Matt, we look forward to what you can do. And we look forward to 2017 at CLNS Radio and, of course, for the Celtics. But that is a perfect way to wrap up episode number 190 and start the new year here at CLNS. Music for this show was provided by Chuck Dietz. DJ the S and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media, Twitter at CLNS underscore LHR, Facebook, Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Once again, thanks to Kyle Draper of CSN and Matt Ignall. Today's sponsors were Audible, Audible.com slash try now for a free audiobook along with a 30-day trial period. And Zip Recruiter for staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Justin Poulin, founder of the network, Nick Chelsea, and myself, the executive producer and host. I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat powered by CLNS Radio.